0: I'm Don Tess, better known as the Dawn of Beer.
1: And I'm M. Sauter, better known as Pints and Panels.
0: Welcome to episode 36 of the All About Beer podcast. Every two weeks, we talk with leading experts and take a deep dive into one topic in beer. This week on the show, we're going to talk about pasteurization. It's the unsung hero of beer quality and unfairly maligned. But first, visit allaboutbeer.com and follow us on social media at All About Beer. And if you're feeling generous, please visit patreon.com slash allaboutbeer to support this show and others. So, you know, Em, we used to always nag our listeners all the time to like and subscribe our show, but we kind of stopped doing that.
1: Yeah, uh, it really helps us out, but people really don't like being nagged, so I get it.
0: Okay, so we won't nag, but uh, we can still drop hints. You should
1: like and subscribe. Yes, please like and subscribe.
0: Uh, okay, M. what are your thoughts on pasteurization?
1: Well, some people believe that pasteurization affects the flavor of beer, but I've heard a few studies that did a blind triangle test where people couldn't tell which beers were pasteurized and which were not. So it's not really clear that pasteurization really does affect flavor.
0: Yeah, I'm guessing that maybe pasteurization techniques have improved, like maybe it's before best. it did affect flavor, but now there's better knowledge, better science, better techniques. So maybe uh, the negative stigma is carried over from uh, from before, but I actually don't know. This is why we have the show and this is why we have experts. Uh, so I'm looking forward to find out. Me as well. If you would like to help support the All About Beer podcast, please reach out to podcast at allaboutbeer.com. Speaking of supporting the show, here's a word from our sponsors.
2: Malt Europe Malting Company is based in North America, specializing in growing and producing quality malts for the craft beer and distilling industries. With local farms and malt houses spread across the United States, Canada and Mexico, Malt Europe Malting Company's commitment to excellence is fully ingrained into every batch it produces, ensuring breweries and distilleries of any size can create the finest beverages on the planet. Visit MaltEuropeMaltingCo.com to learn how Malt Europe Malting Company can support your malting needs. Contact Malt Europe Malting Company at Success at or dial 844546 malt for questions or to place your order. Estrella Galicia, where brewing excellence has been a family tradition since 1906. Today, the fifth generation proudly continues the brewery's legacy. Immerse yourself in the rich taste of Galicia with its traditional family recipe, brewed consistently with the same authentic ingredients and methods. Trust them to deliver traditional flavor that's like no other every single time. Estrella Galicia is all about lager, rooted in German brewing heritage. Maintaining its commitment to tradition, they brew exclusively in their brewery in La Coruña. Each beer boasts its own distinctive recipe. No shortcuts, no compromises. Their passion for beer sets them apart as they embrace and celebrate the art of brewing. At Australia Galicia, they love beer above all things. Experience the difference, sip by sip.
0: Keith Villa, PhD, is a trailblazer in the beer and cannabis industries and brewmaster and co-founder of Colorado-based Syria Brewing Company, dedicated to brewing only alcohol-free beers. After earning his PhD in brewing from the University of Brussels in Belgium in the early 1990s, and only a handful of brewers have achieved, Keith returned to the United States with the idea of crafting beers inspired by Belgian styles, but with a twist. He began his 32-year career as founder and head brewmaster at Blue Moon Brewing Company, an operating unit of Miller Coors. Since retiring from Blue Moon, This beer doctor developed a patented brewing method to produce great tasting alcohol-free craft beers, written a book titled Brewing with Cannabis using THC and CBD in beer, and continues to speak worldwide as an expert in both the beer and cannabis industries. Welcome to the show, Keith. Hi, Don, thanks for having me on. Um, So very first, the very, very basics, what exactly is pasteurization?
3: Well, to get right into it, pasteurization is where you uh, physically heat a product for a certain amount of time in order to stabilize it, uh, stabilize it against the growth of uh, uh, various types of microorganisms.
0: Okay. Um, so. And when...
1: we're done for the day. Thank you. <laughs>
0: <laughs> so. <laughs> <laughs> when, <laughs> when people get into beer, they learn that beer was safer than water, historically speaking, because it's boiled during manufacture. So uh, why do why is pasteurization necessary at all? Like uh, I thought beer was supposed to be safe.
3: Well, it turns out that beer in general is safe and and you're absolutely right from a historical perspective, uh, when, for example, the ancient egypts, Egyptians or the Sumerians, When they made beer it was it was a low alcohol beer but there was enough alcohol in it to act as a preservative and to inhibit the growth of pathogenic microorganisms so in other words uh beer was created a long time ago uh this is according to to one theory uh to make water safe to drink because so many water sources were polluted um whether naturally or or man-made pollution they were polluted to the point where drinking the water would make people physically sick or, or worse. It, it could kill people in some uh, certain circumstances. So when you put uh, the conditions together to turn that water into a beer, uh, and the beers back then wouldn't have looked anything like today's beers. They would have been cloudy, uh, most likely sour, uh, and, and they just would have tasted different, but it would have been nutritious and it would have been safe to drink.
0: Um, I I just want to say, cloudy and sour actually does sound like a lot of beers today. But oh, yeah. <laughs>
3: you're right.
1: Fair, fair. Um,
0: but so, so then, in modern day, why 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 is pasteurization necessary again? If if there's alcohol in it,
3: so one one uh, reason that brewers pasteurize their beer is to stabilize it uh, so it has a longer shelf life. Uh, because beer, as all of us know. Good craft beer is best when it's fresh. Uh, And as it sits on a shelf and ages in a package, uh, it can deteriorate deteriorate, uh, somewhat rapidly depending on the conditions. Um, But if you really want to extend that shelf life and and minimize uh, changes and minimize uh, potential growth of uh, brewery bacteria, such as lacto, Um, you do do need to pasteurize it. And uh, so some brewers uh, typically pasteurize their beers, their alcohol-containing beers, uh, so that they have an extended shelf life of uh, anywhere from nine months to uh, a year and a half. Some even uh, tout a two-year shelf life after pasteurization. Uh, And of course, they're talking mainly about physical stability. When we talk about flavor stability, Most beers will start changing uh, at about six months, nine months. uh, But you can minimize those changes by pasteurizing. And certainly pasteurization uh, will minimize the growth of brewery bacteria like lacto, which if that's present uh, in a bottle or can of beer, uh, it will lead to souring of the beer. uh, And in certain cases, it can lead to... uh, some physical changes in the beer, things like uh, uh, making the beer become very viscous uh, and, and creating a funny sour milk taste, if it's lacto. And there are lots of other uh, brewery microorganisms that can get in to change the characteristics of the beer uh, in in ways that consumers generally do not like. I see.
1: Hmm. So there are different types of pasteurization. I've, uh, there's flash... There's tunnels. They're like bath as well. So what are those and then what are the pros and cons of each of them? And if I forgot any of them, I'm sure there are other ways to heat beer or however. Um, but yeah, give us how pasteurization is done and the different types, please. And
3: thank you. Okay. So, so in, in, from a brewery perspective, there are two main types of pasteurization. There's flash pasteurization and tunnel pasteurization. Mm. So Flash pasteurization, uh, if I can explain it uh, in a way for your listeners to understand, the the beer uh, is sent through a series of pipes uh, where it gets heated up uh, to a a certain temperature called a a kill temperature, and it's uh, maintained at that temperature for a certain amount of time, and then it goes through the pipes backwards to cool it down, and then it goes into a uh, a bright beer tank or, or a packaging tank where it's ready to be uh, used in packaging. Flash pasteurization is generally used for kegged product because you can't um, put a keg in a, a tunnel pasteurizer once it's full. They're just physically too big to fit in a standard brewery pasteurizer. So, so generally keg product is flash pasteurized if a brewer chooses to pasteurize it. Um, and then the other type of pasteurizer is a tunnel pasteurizer and some of us have seen these in in the larger breweries and there are some large um, regional craft breweries that have these uh, operation operational and and what these are are um they're they're uh, pasteurizers that, that look almost like a tunnel uh the beer goes in one end on a conveyor belt and comes out the other end and it, it goes in very slowly and this is after pa- after uh, packaging so after the cans or the bottles are filled and crowned uh, then they they start their slow journey through this pasteurizer and the tunnel pasteurizer generally has uh, six to eight uh, what are called zones and in these these zones they have spray jets where it sprays water Onto the package as it's moving underneath the the, the jets, and uh, the first couple of zones heat the product up gradually. So so from uh, room temperature, you know, up uh, uh, to a certain point, and then the goal is to get it up to the kill temperature, and and then you hold it there as it as it's going through this tunnel slowly on a conveyor belt. Uh, everything is worked out so that. Uh, it stays, uh, the first couple of zones get it up to the temperature, and then it stays uh, under the sprays to keep it at that kill temperature for the required amount of time. And then the last couple of zones have spray nozzles that spray water that that is cooler and cooler, uh, so that the product is gradually cooled down. And then it exits the uh, pasteurizer, and then you... Um, and there's a lot of steam and water involved in this. And so, uh, in essence, at the end of the tunnel pasteurizing process, you do need to get rid of a lot of the water on the packages. So you have uh, uh, typically what are called air, air blades or air sprayers to really uh, wipe off the all that excess moisture uh, and dry out the cans or the bottles and then send them off to the uh, uh, the packaging area for uh, uh, placement into uh Six packs or mother cartons or what have you. So those those are the two types of pasteurizing. Uh, again, uh, in summary, there's uh, tunnel pasteurizing, which we just talked about. And then there's flash pasteurizing. Tunnel again is used for cans and bottles. Flash is generally used for uh, kegged product.
1: Do you have a preference over which one you prefer?
3: my preference is tunnel pasteurizing because uh, tunnels to me it really helps with the uh, I guess the the worry the worrying part as a brewer you always worry about your product being out in the marketplace and it gives you a sense of relief if it's been tunnel pasteurized Um, because as it's uh, uh, filled in the, the cans and bottles um, in my experience, and I think if you talk to quite a few brewers, you will see that a lot of them agree that the majority of contamination in beer products occurs at the filler. So, uh, yeah. so th- when when you're canning or bottling, a lot of the lot of the uh, contamination will occur right there at the filler. And so, if you pasteurize into a tank, and then you've got sterile pasteurized beer, and then you feed that into the the canning line, uh, you'll find that you can get uh, instances of of contamination of your product. Even in kegs, you will find some kegs that go bad because of contamination. And that's because uh, contamination more more often than not will occur at the filler. And uh, so that's why, from my perspective, tunnel is the best because then You've packaged the product into a can or bottle. You've pasteurized it without opening it. And that pasteurization, what it does is it raises that temperature to the kill zone, the kill temperature, and it keeps it there until uh, until you've demonstrated that the any uh, amount of bacteria that you generally see in, in that particular brewery, uh, that bacteria uh, will be killed off. Uh, so the product will be safe. Again, nothing is 100% certain, but with a tunnel pasteurizer, you get pretty close.
0: Yeah, yeah. Um, I was going to ask, what, what is the kill temperature and, and how long does it have to stay there?
3: So generally with pasteurization, what you talk about are PUs, pasteurization units. And uh, one easy way to think of a PU is if you hold a... Um, a can of beer at 140 degrees Fahrenheit for one minute. So, oh, so, okay. so that's, that's equivalent to one PU, one pasteurization oh, unit, okay. but you have to get it up to that temperature. So, so um, uh, a lot of people don't realize that, that you, re- you can't just uh, put a can or a bottle at 140 because uh, when we talk about pasteurization, the whole the whole entire contents of that can or bottle has to be up to that temperature. And that is why you have these zones that are spraying in a tunnel pasteurizer, because they get the whole can and the contents in the can up to that required kill temperature. And if it's 140, uh, then you just you keep it there at 140 degrees Um for the required number of minutes. So you have the right number of PUs. Um, and, and again, I wanna stress that 140 uh, degrees for one minute is a PU, but uh, you can pasteurize at higher temperatures for shorter amounts of time. And that's that's exactly what quite a few brewers do is if they've got a, a, a time scheduled meat for packaging, uh, a lot of them will, um, dial up the temperature and shorten up the pasteurization time. And um, and the way you, you measure out is uh, you use what are called pasteurization meters. Uh, what these are is it's a uh, they're quite expensive, typically around three to five thousand dollars for these things. but it looks looks like a little uh, you know, uh, tray, uh, kind of a tray with a little kind of a little uh, probe, on it and and you put a can or a bottle in it and you put the probe into the can or bottle uh, and obviously the can or bottle is filled and and what it does is it measures uh the temperature and the time going through the pasteurizer so that um you know what the uh, P- exact pus are so your pu meter uh, you you always run your pasteurization with a meter so that You get an exact readout of the PUs that the product has been exposed to, and uh, and even then, it's uh, I've simplified that quite a bit because prior to doing that, there's a lot of lab work involved where you have a um, your process authority will uh, go through and determine what the main types of bacteria you're being exposed to are, and then do tests in the lab uh, to to inoculate. Uh, cans or bottles at, at different levels with these microorganisms and then use heat to kill it off and then you you what you do is you simulate that in the big pasteurizer the tunnel pasteurizer so it's a it's it's a very complex subject and in fact there are uh process authorities who are complete experts on pasteurization of uh juices or beers or what have you and um And if you're in the brewing industry, it's not always required because there are so many craft brewers who don't need to pasteurize. Uh, But if you work for a larger brewery on the packaging side, you do, you will probably have to know uh, quite a bit about pasteurization. And if you're a small brewer uh, making specialty products that could go bad, you also need to to learn about pasteurization so that you can stabilize the products. I'll give one real quick example um, with, uh, uh, you guys are familiar with the great American beer festival. And uh, back in my blue moon days, we used to win quite a bit of gold medals uh, with our honey beers. And I formulated a honey beer to have a lot of honey flavor and there are a lot of craft brewers out there who, who brew honey beers, but they put the honey into into the kettle. And so it's full, it's fermented by the yeast. And by the very end of the process, a lot of times that type of honey beer where the honey's added in the kettle uh, loses a lot of the honey character. But if you, if you put the honey in right before packaging, what you find out is a lot of that honey character is preserved. And you get the aroma, the taste of, of honey, not just sweetness, but honey. And, um, but you also can end up with uh, pretty severe contamination problems because when you put honey in, the yeast will, will re-ferment it or uh, honey has contaminants in it, um, microorganisms that can actually start making the beer bad. So the only way to do that is to put the honey in and then pasteurize to stabilize it and then you've got a, a product that in our case uh we ended up winning uh it uh, must have been f- four gold medals in the honey category and quite a few silver medals too so and it's all because the, you can play around with making products and stabilizing them mm-hmm. so that they, they're, they're award-winning and at the same time uh they will last for a long time on the shelf and still taste really good.
1: Could you do that with like maple syrup or any kind of fermentable that would have?
3: Exactly. um, Any type of fermentable. So, and as you know, if you put maple syrup into a brew in the kettle, uh, a lot of times that really nice maple character gets boiled off and you could add back a flavoring, but in my experience, flavorings for maple just, Tastes terrible because if you overdo it, it tastes. But it tastes so artificial. But when you use natural maple syrup, the best way to do it is to put it in right before packaging, and then pasteurize the product to to lock in the stability. And then uh, you've got a product that is really rich in maple aroma and taste, and uh, and potentially will win you know quite a few medals in competitions.
0: So I wanted to ask because I think I think a lot of people think pasteurization is a bad thing in terms of affecting the flavor. But what you're saying is that if it's used properly, it it it's a good thing. It keeps flavor well stable. Uh, is that right? Am I? Do you think you're... there's an unfair negative stigma against pasteurization?
3: Uh, I I think you've kind of hit the nail on the head there with what uh, quite a few craft brewers actually were talking about years ago before they understood the the critical aspects of pasteurization. Um, And and I think it's just a uh, kind of an unfair uh, generalization of of big brewers because uh, quite a few big brewers do pasteurize to stabilize their products. And and a lot of uh, home brewers and craft brewers Kind of got this this uh, thought that that might be the cause of, of the, the the low flavor and the, or the the lack of flavor um, and, and in essence, what it does is it locks in what the brewer brewer was trying to do. So, if you're if you're wanting to enjoy a Bud Light or a Coors Light, um, or or a Miller Light, uh, what the the brewers typically would do is pasteurize. Although Coors Coors products for the longest time were cold filtered. Um, for I believe, uh, if they're exported, they're pasteurized to stabilize them. But the other big brewers would pasteurize, and they would just lock in uh, the flavor at that point. And of course, light beers are very low in flavor. And I and I think um, years ago, a lot of brewers just thought that pasteurization was wiping out the flavor, uh, but in fact, it will stabilize everything uh, to the point where as we just talked about, if you want to make a delicious maple flavored beer, um, not, not sweet, but just with that nice, a hint of that really nice maple flavor, or a honey beer that has really nice honey sweetness. Um, and I've experimented with uh, alfalfa honey, uh, clover honey, wildflower honey, orange blossom, any type of honey, many types. And um, yeah. and it, the, that characteristic survives into the package product. And you won't get pasteurization or contamination if it's pasteurized. So, so, so you're right, Don. That it, it gives you that flexibility to make uh, to actually to brew with almost any ingredient and not worry about contamination.
0: I, I'm thinking fruit as well might be a good use.
3: Is that right? Fruit is also another one that that is good. But in that case, that's where you definitely have to have a good microbiologist on staff because. Uh, Certain fruits, we will have uh, microorganisms that can really be hard to kill by pasteurization. And rather than uh, the the minimal minimal amounts of PUs, you really have to use a lot to kill some of those organisms. For example, uh, the big brewers, uh, or actually any, any beer that's alcoholic, a good general way to think about pasteurizing those beers is they will have anywhere from about, oh, I would say, 12 to, to 25 PUs, which is very minimal. But when you're talking about juices, certain juices or beers made with juice, they can require uh, hundreds, and, and in rare cases, oh. uh, low thousands of PUs. Oh, my. To, to, oh, geez to make sure that everything that's potentially hazardous is killed off. And you can imagine that if you hold the beer at that temperature for that much time, it it can be detrimental to the flavor of the beer. So so that's why uh, with some fruits, it is better to to add them in the kettle or add them uh, at a point where there's plenty of alcohol to ward off. Uh, and inhibit uh, the growth right. of any, uh, any type of uh, pathogens.
0: Um, so I have a question that I know is going to sound silly, uh, but hopefully you can tell me why it's silly. Let's say I've listened to the I've listened to you, Keith, and I think, oh yes, pasteurization is awesome. I have this new uh, can of honey beer that I just purchased from my favorite uh, brewery, and I know that they don't pasteurize. Can I, as a consumer, take it home and put it in a bath of water at 140 degrees uh, and, and, and have it sit there at 140 degrees for a few minutes and pasteurize it myself at home?
3: That's possible. Um, but you have to be aware of certain things. For example, uh, they may not have packaging that, that's, uh, uh, can, that can withstand pasteurization. So, for example, glass bottles. Uh, uh, glass bottles do have to be a little thicker than normal, um, and you have to be careful in in adjusting that temperature upwards step by step. If you just thrust that bottle into a, a bath at one forty, chances are you'll you, you know you'll, it'll develop cracks and, and explode. Um, so don't do it. Let's we'll just say don't. Yeah. Do it. <laughs> yeah, yeah it's Best 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 to trust. The brewer uh, and really, uh, uh, you know, talk to the, the brewery to see if they've done anything to minimize uh, any issues. Um, and and, uh, and if they haven't pasteurized, but the product is, you know, six or 7% ABV and uh, has uh, a good amount of hops, you know, 15, 16 or more, uh, chances are that that's, uh, that product is safe to drink and and probably pretty flavorful too.
0: Yeah. Uh, Well, I look forward to hearing more about pasteurizations, but first here's a word from our sponsors. Estrella Galicia,
2: where brewing excellence has been a family tradition since 1906. Today, the fifth generation proudly continues the brewery's legacy. Immerse yourself in the rich taste of Galicia with its traditional family recipe, brewed consistently with the same authentic ingredients and methods. Trust them to deliver traditional flavor that's like no other every single time. Estrella Galicia is all about lager, rooted in German brewing heritage. Maintaining its commitment to tradition, they brew exclusively in their brewery in La Coruña. Each beer boasts its own distinctive recipe. No shortcuts, no compromises. Their passion for beer sets them apart as they embrace and celebrate the art of brewing. At Estrella Galicia, they love beer above all things. Experience the difference, sip by sip.
0: All About Beer is back, and we're asking for your support to help provide the independent beer media this rich and colorful industry deserves. Visit our website, allaboutbeer.com, where we're frequently posting new content. And please consider throwing us a few bucks at patreon.com allaboutbeer. We have low-cost memberships for individuals and small and large companies alike. Every dollar goes to help produce new articles and podcasts.
2: Malt Europe Malting Company is based in North America, specializing in growing and producing quality malts for the craft beer and distilling industries. With local farms and malt houses spread across the United States, Canada and Mexico, Malt Europe Malting Company's commitment to excellence is fully ingrained into every batch it produces, ensuring breweries and distilleries of any size can create the finest beverages on the planet visit malteuropemaltingcode.com to learn how malt Europe Malting company can support your malting needs contact malt Europe Malting company at customer at malteurope.com or dial 844546 malt for questions or to place your order
0: so um before the break we were kind of talking about how uh you know pasteurization there there is in uh, some inherent safety in beer because of hops, because of pH and alcohol content. Um, non-alcoholic beer, though, that's been growing in popularity. You know, it's the fastest growing segment in beer. Um, and I've recently been reading some reports that with non-alcoholic beer, because the pH is not as low and because there is essentially no alcohol, sometimes hopping rates are lower, um, uh, pasteurization is not just... Uh, a good idea, but is you know necessary to make non-alcoholic beer safe. Is that true?
3: In my opinion, that's hundred percent true, Don. It's uh, it's true because uh, you can have two major issues with non-alcoholic beer that's packaged. The first is if even one brewer's yeast cell survives uh, in the process and goes into packaging and gets into that can. It can re, re, uh, re-ferment, that is, it can start re-fermenting in the can. And then what you'll have is um, cans that bulge out and explode, or, or they'll slightly bulge out, but the contents inside is now alcoholic. And so we've seen some cases where some craft NA beer can be up to over 2% ABV. So the the Yikes. legal limit... Legal limit again is less than 0.5 percent ABV. So, uh, and we've seen some that are that are above that quite a bit. And of course, uh, as a consumer, you know, a lot of consumers want their beer, to, their NA beer, to taste like regular beer. And if it's two and a half percent ABV, and they're they're thinking it's an NA, of course, a lot of people are going to say, "Wow, that tastes just like beer," <laughs> because it, it is. is. Because you know? it is. <laughs> exactly. And then the other uh, more critical uh, issue that can happen is that uh, if someone on the filling line did not clean the line properly or went to the restroom and did not wash their hands properly, you could get uh, pathogens uh, infused into that filler and then have them end up in the can or the bottle. And by pathogens, I'm talking about things that can make a person sick, or, or worse, can kill people. Uh, things like E. coli, uh, listeria, uh, mm. botulism—you know these type of things that uh, that have uh, historically uh, just been on the minds of, of uh, all of our ancestors from from you know the ancient times to now, uh, because the last thing you want to do when you Enjoy a meal or a beverage is is to get sick from it, or to watch, a, you know, one of your significant significant other get sick, and uh, and that's why uh, we want to make sure that in the NA world we do as much as possible to eliminate the the that option of of potentially having pathogens growing in your product. <laughs>
1: does it matter how the NA beer is made? Like, you know, some have alcohol removed. There's some people use a vacuum. Some people just brew it really low alcohol. Like does making a regular beer and removing the alcohol mean the beer may be safer or should all NA beer be pasteurized? No matter how, no matter what the process.
3: Yeah. It does not matter. All beer that's okay. it's NA uh, should be pasteurized because uh, there there's, some folks out there who say oh but we uh, we have a high-tech reverse osmosis system that will get out anything and it's like okay you've got a tank of na beer that's been dealcoholized but now since the majority of infections happens at that filler over there <laughs> you're now exposing it to contamination and so uh, so yeah so that's why it all should be pasteurized uh and then there, there are uh, Definitely, a lot of uh, instances where craft brewers uh, use arrested fermentation or mm-hmm. alternative types of yeast to have in, to make NA beers, and, and in that case, there are uh, a certain amount of fermentable sugars uh, that exist in the package, and um, uh, in that case, those can start re-fermenting. So, so regardless of the the, the uh, technique for making the non-alcoholic beer, uh, you've got to pasteurize to protect, uh, the integrity of the product, but more importantly, to protect those people who, who buy, uh, beers and, and consume them.
0: Yeah. Nobody wants a lawsuit. No. (laughs) (laughs) Um, what about chemical stabilizers? I've heard of some breweries maybe using that instead of pasteurization. Is that as effective? Does it change the flavor?
3: It can be effective. Um, the The only issue is that uh, uh, you can, you, you will have uh, flavor effects because there are some that are uh, sodium and potassium based. Um, and of course, if you put those in, you do have to label them. So, uh, so it really uh, uh, brings a whole different twist to it. Uh, and and then it also limits some of the places where you can sell your product because some of the more uh, i would say organic uh, retailers like whole foods they have a list of preservatives that if your product contains that they will not sell your your beer in their store Uh, and then one of the one of the more recent uh, uh, chemicals that people are using at least in the wine world is, is a chemical called Velcarin. And Velcarin is, is a very potent uh, inhibitor of microorganisms. Um, but that's also uh, not allowed in whole foods because one of the byproducts of Velcarin is, is a very small amount of methanol, which is, which is a poison. And, um, uh, but, and then the other thing is that uh, in the wine world, some of the wines that use Velkerin, uh, they're not required to label it. So, uh, so they, uh, they basically have a free pass to use it and not label it. Uh, but if they want to sell in whole foods, uh, they have to disclose it. Uh, and oh. so, and so a lot of them won't, uh, won't sell in whole foods. Uh, but Velcorin is one of those things that uh, works well in wine because of the low pH in beer. Uh, it will work in sour beers, but in regular beer, there, there are some brewers who are using it. I won't name name any names, but there are some who are using it. But it is a little tricky because beer is at the pH where Velcarin is is not quite at its peak activity. It's got to be in a real acidic uh, solution, like, like acidity of wine, sour beer, uh, certain juices, fruit juices. Uh, so if it's a very acidic environment, uh, Velcroin will work nicely. Uh, but it'll but,
0: still produce that methanol, though you're saying.
3: Correct. It'll still oh, produce okay. a, a very small amount of methanol. Uh, where some, you know, some people say, "Well, it's negligible," but in my opinion, you know, if if you're uh, wanting something as natural as beer, the last thing you want is something unnatural like methanol <laughs> contaminating it. <laughs>
1: Um, In particular, breweries now are making hop water or craft sodas, and I've heard of smaller breweries holding their product to watch for pathogen growth or sending it to a third party for analysis to make sure that it doesn't have um, any pathogens. Are those viable options for those things? Could it be used for NA or is the root of it just pasteurization is really the key you need?
3: With waters, if you have a a process authority in your brewery that has gone through the process and uh, really uh, gives the thumbs up that the process is clean, that the product has the the proper pH, um, and that you've sent samples out to reputable labs to analyze, um, it it, uh, provides a, a certain amount of relief again nothing is 100% but sure. but if if you've got your process really buttoned up and you have a, a a process authority who has gone through everything with a fine tooth comb and says okay uh, this looks good well, I'm satisfied then in that case uh, it should be fine but realize that in the last month there have been actually two months i think there've been two articles that have been published on NA beer and uh, actually low alcohol, non-alcohol and alcohol free beer. And these articles, uh, one one was from Cornell University, uh, but they talk about uh, the different experiments that they've done. Uh, and the thing that stands out is if something is in the beer, like, say, there's E. coli in there, uh, that E. coli may not grow, but it may be in there waiting for the right conditions to grow. So. So if the temperature warms up, or if the uh, if the pH somehow goes up a little bit, then uh, then it's possible that the uh, that will start growing and eventually make people sick. So that's why you in the world of NA products, you really need some expertise to protect the integrity of the product. But again, I always go back to our our customers. You know, if they if they trust in you to buy your product off the shelf. You as the supplier should make sure to give them the best product that's consumable without any worries of getting sick. Right.
0: Um, I've read a couple of those articles that you're referring to, uh, and they were, you know, kind of eye opening for me to be to be honest. But I personally haven't heard any reports of people getting sick from unpasteurized non-alcoholic beer. So, is is the risk? Overblown, or have we just been really lucky so far that nobody's gotten sick, or have people been getting sick and we just don't know it?
3: I, I think that might be the case. Your very your last issue might be, or your last statement might be the case because, um, in uh, let's see, the the Cornell article uh, was referenced in Men's Journal a couple weeks ago. They they published a uh, uh, an article. The title was something along the the. the lines of this it said something is your na beer making you sick <laughs> and, oh.
1: uh, <laughs> Well, that's a real uh yeah <laughs>
3: and, and really the the whole uh position of the article was the fact that na beer might be what makes you sick every now and then whereas most people probably never had a clue that that could be it because they they just associate food poisoning with you know uh, yeah. going on yeah. Uh, eating a, a bad taco or, or something, yeah. you know, and they, or they uh... think it's
0: the seven shots of vodka they had before the non-alcoholic, <laughs> <beer>. <laughs> <Just
3: Right. kidding. laughs> but they, but they uh, really associate food poisoning with, with food uh, because we, we, even in the name food poisoning, Right. a lot of, a lot of people don't realize that you can get sick from beverages. Um, and in fact, uh, a lot of, uh, uh, people in the industry point to, uh, the juice industry, uh, and in particular, there was a company in Boulder, Colorado, that was making juices. They prided themselves, and I, I don't want to name their name, but uh, they prided themselves on non-pasteurized juice. And the reason they did not pasteurize was because they said that pasteurization ruins the flavor and the nutritional content of their juices. And they were warned several times. And in fact, they had a different uh, uh, breakouts of of, uh, different microorganisms over time. But uh, eventually it did catch up with them to the point where I believe they, uh, in the late 1990s, they put out a batch of apple juice that was not pasteurized and it ended up killing uh, a young girl and um, made a lot of people sick. Uh, I believe up to 30 or 40 people, maybe a little more, got sick from that batch. But the the, um, authorities were able to trace it back to that contaminated apple juice and of course after that they started pasteurizing Mm -hmm. so my philosophy is let's not wait for a tragedy a tragic event to happen Um, let's make sure since we have the science available to us at our fingertips let's use it as an industry and make sure that our products are safe Uh, because every now and then i'll go on the uh, non-alcoholic forums for example on, on facebook there's one and when somebody when a brewer comes out with a new um, uh, non-alcoholic beer sometimes they'll they'll say it's not pasteurized so you've got to keep it cold keep it in the refrigerator and and, and the, a lot of times they'll also say pasteurization ruins the flavor of the beer that's why we don't pasteurize but in fact what they're saying is that they number one they probably don't know how to pasteurize and number two they probably don't want to spend the money to pasteurize because pasteurizing is expensive. Well, it adds to the cost yeah. of your product. And um, and that's why a lot of folks don't want to pasteurize. Um, but if they if they're making small batches of NA, in that case, sometimes I'll I'll talk to small brewers and I'll say, if you don't want to invest in a tunnel pasteurizer, you know, find a, a larger brewer who has a pasteurizer and, and do a contract batch over there. Or You can purchase a small, what's called a batch patch pasteurizer. They look like industrial dishwashers and and they mimic the effects of a tunnel pasteurizer. You load up the racks with, with cans, typically 48 or 72 cans. You press the buttons and it it goes through the cycles, almost like a dishwasher and it it takes the product up to the right temperature and then holds it there and then brings it down and and it pasteurizes And, and those are effective and they're small scale, and I think those things typically run about twenty five thousand. So it's not going to break the bank of a, uh, a craft brewer. Right? And there's some craft breweries that can share one of those things. Uh, yeah. That's that's what we used to use when we were making infused cannabis beer because it was the market was so small. We would just uh, uh, wheel that thing around and uh, batch pasteurize uh, every every uh, every batch of cannabis beer, and it worked nicely.
0: Yeah. Interesting. Hmm. Uh, well, Keith, uh, thank you for, uh, educating us and, uh, and for keeping us safe. I really appreciate that. Um, if people want to follow you on uh, social media or whatever, do you want to share your social media handles or maybe an email address?
3: Um, well, our our daughter handles all the uh, social media. So if you (laughs) ask for a handle, uh, all I know is, uh, we do have, we're on Instagram and (laughs) uh, all those things. Um, but yeah, just uh, just look us up, just Google Saria Brewing Company, and uh, you'll find the different uh, social sites that we're on. Um, our daughter handles all that, and she she actually does uh, post a few uh, times a year about the importance of pasteurization, and she'll even uh, take pictures of our cans because our cans, I and mean, that's one thing, uh, Don and M, that you you your listeners should be pushing for is, is there should be some kind of a seal of pasteurization that brewers should use, you know, to, to guarantee that their product at least has been pasteurized. What we're doing at Saria is on every can we print on the shoulder, it says, uh, pasteurized for prolonged deliciousness. Ah, <laughs> <was> nice, taking <laughs> Some uh, creative license with the wording there, but, but we, we do say that it's pasteurized and, and, and there are some some of our competitors who who pasteurize that I I know they do because I know they they make quality products. Uh, People like uh, Brooklyn Beer, uh, Sam Adams, uh, Athletic, Um, those are are some that I I will name because I know they make high quality products and and they pasteurize to make sure their products are safe. They may not um, advertise it on their cans, but I I, I know that they do and and, uh, so I, I, I will always call out good high quality products. And um, and that, but I think I think as an industry we really owe it to the consumers uh, to have some kind of a stamp on our cans that says pasteurized, just so that people know that an NA product has been pasteurized and it's safe. But uh, that's that's Great. my two cents. <laughs>
0: right. Wonderful. Wonderful. Thank you, Keith. I really appreciate your time.
1: Yes. Thank you.
3: Well, thanks. It's been fun. And uh, uh, again, pasteurization—that's the key to safe non-alcoholic and alcohol-free beer it's a, it's my motto always has been since the start started this industry uh just a few short years ago
0: wonderful cheers keith cheers, cheers. okay M. um what do you think of pasteurization now
1: i think it's fascinating how you can use it for so many different things i mean it yeah it kills microorganisms but it can really it can Lock in flavor.
0: Yeah, stabilize the flavor.
1: Stabilize yeah. and actually make it better, yeah. and make yeah. it better. Like that's Sorry. my I'm yeah. Like that. But it's it's really exciting and it's cool to see that like you know all the old school people when they talk about pasteurization like that's cooked, that's cooked, burp, burp burp And like, <laughs> no, do you like your honey beer, or maple syrup? I bet or like brown sugar, or any fermentable that you want to lock the flavor in, pasteurization is the key. And I had no idea that that was possible. So that's very stuff
0: yeah. and it lets you add the the adjunct in a different place like he was saying instead of having to add the honey in the kettle mm-hmm. and boil it you can add it after but you then have to uh pasteurize it so that's uh really, I, I really, really like cool.
1: that yeah, yeah i think that's that's a really fascinating like extra way to use pasteurization in a different way i mean then there's so much the evolution of beer that maybe there's other ways that pasteurization can be explored that in like five, 10 years, we haven't even thought about that we'll use. So it's pretty, it's cool stuff. Always. Yeah. It's always cool stuff.
0: I always love This is why I love hosting this show with you. um <laughs> uh, Visit allaboutbeer.com and follow us on social media at allaboutbeer. And for the generous listeners, please visit patreon.com slash allaboutbeer to support this show and others. If you have questions for the experts, please email podcast at allaboutbeer.com. That's also the email for feedback, suggestions, or to inquire about supporting this show through advertising. M, how can people reach out to you?
1: I am at Pints and Panels across all social media, and my website is www.pintsandpanels.com. How about you, Don?
0: I am at the Dawn of Beer on X, Threads, and Instagram, and people can drop me an email at dawn at the dawn of beer.com. Here's a word from our sponsor.
2: Malt Europe Malting Company is based in North America, specializing in growing and producing quality malts for the craft beer and distilling industries. With local farms and malt houses spread across the United States, Canada, and Mexico, Malt Europe Malting Company's commitment to excellence is fully ingrained into every batch it produces, ensuring breweries and distilleries of any size can create the finest beverages on the planet. Visit malt Maltingco.com to learn how Malt Europe Malting Company can support your malting needs. Contact Malt Europe Malting Company at CustomerSuccess at MaltEurope.com or dial eight four four five four six malt for questions or to place your order. Estrella Galicia, where brewing excellence has been a family tradition since 1906. Today, the fifth generation proudly continues the brewery's legacy. Immerse yourself in the rich taste of Galicia with its traditional family recipe, brewed consistently with the same authentic ingredients and methods. Trust them to deliver traditional flavor that's like no other every single time. Estrella Galicia is all about lager, rooted in German brewing heritage. Maintaining its commitment to tradition, they brew exclusively in their brewery in La Coruña. Each beer boasts its own distinctive recipe. No shortcuts, no compromises. Their passion for beer sets them apart as they embrace and celebrate the art of brewing. At Australia Galicia, they love beer above all things.
0: Experience the difference, sip by sip. This show is produced by All About Beer. Visit allaboutbeer.com for articles, notes on this show and others, and to connect via the newsletter and social media. Cheers. Cheers, everyone. Boil your beer? No, don't boil your beer.
1: (laughs) Don't spoil your beer. Wait, you should boil your beer.